Greetings and welcome to episode two of the Mike Newman Show. Once again, we'll be joined by Dr. Tim Jurgensen for another Breakfast with Dr. Tim. So grab a plate of Migas, nice hot cup of coffee, settle in and pretend you're hanging out with us. And uh, here we go. Constantly dialoguing that, you know, that we'll have the constant pitter-patter of plates and, plates and back, bowls well, and dishes and kids and feet. And, that's good. Yeah. Otherwise, so, I may break into humming from time to time. You to, could do uh, that. To keep, it, uh, keep it going. Uh, yeah. So um, here we are. That's cool. Breakfast was yummy as usual. It was a good thing. It's a nice way to start Saturdays. Uh, you know, that's one of the titles I was thinking of possibly for this episode is Saturdays, because this is kind of what you do on Saturdays, and this is what I enjoy doing on Saturdays as well, is seeing what Dr. Tim's up to. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to start uh, a day. I, I used to, I was more actively working on books, would do this every day mm-hmm. uh, down at the Waterloo on 35th Street. But since I've come out here and I'm not quite as actively pursuing books all the time, yeah, uh, I only come out a few days, but I do make it a point to get here on Saturday morning and grown to, to know a few other of the folks that show up and right. kind of look forward to just a few minutes conversation, uh, waiting for yeah. doors to open to visit with other people that are out here. And the place has really bounced back, um, you know, pandemic and everything. It was pretty dim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was getting not a lot of folks in and then... Now I pull in, the parking lot's pretty well full, and um, there's, jo- there's jo- a certain rotation. Yeah. yeah, Joanne, the manager, is, I think, beside herself because she's having a hard time keeping getting and keeping staff. Yeah. And uh, I understand from other people I've visited with that a lot of other restaurants, cafes around town are having the same problem. That is pervasive, and it's one of the mysteries I have in general right now. Um, a, a big part of what I do in my day job is managing delivery of product to customer. Um, and it's not just us. Our customers are having a hard time keeping staff as well. There's a, a big inflection of a lot of stuff coming together. <laughs> We're at a generational shift, and, and I, one of the discussions we had years ago was about the turning of the generations and the the four generation cycle that type of thing um but anyway not to get too down that road but we're losing a lot of um key um experience at, at certain levels in all kinds of industries and and it's it's not just at those really tenured positions even within industry or manufacturing or science or whatever it's also in the service industries. Yeah. So. I'm not sure what uh, what we'll end up doing about it. I, I think that we keep doing very large-scale experiments, if you will, social experiments, such as the, the funding measures that were passed during the pandemic to, to help people that were hurt in the gig economy because they couldn't go to work and the right. like. And I think that was a very big, very ill-planned social experiment that we're just now starting to see the the ramifications of it. We we paid a lot of people to to not work, Mm -hmm. uh, which had an impact, but we also made it possible for people to, if you will, consider other avenues, uh, not all of which were service-oriented for those right. in the service industry. And so I think we're seeing certainly the impact of that uh, a bit uh, as those spending measures are de- depleted, mm-hmm. if, if you will. It'll be interesting to see if it comes back. It certainly doesn't. The, the service industries don't seem to be coming back at least the same way they were, Yeah. which as a, as a physicist, it's always fascinating to find that there is hysteresis within social systems just like it is within physical systems mm-hmm. that uh, 
if you go from point A to point B, if something forces you from point A to point B, and then you remove that forcing function, it doesn't necessarily go from point B back to point A the same way it, it came up. So it's 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 an interesting for someone like me that I like to that likes to think about social systems and social processes at at, at least at a layman level. It's uh, it's fascinating to be able to observe that. Yeah, I agree with. Uh, is there a <clears throat> you know we've heard talk of a new normal and. I, you know, things are the same until they aren't. Thoughts on do we want to go back to that old normal because that brought us to where we are now in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it, who was I talking to a couple of days ago? Oh, he was like just bewildered at how broken everything is right now in, in a not in a person-to-person type thing, but when you look out across, um, I mean, even just mail, right? Just sending mail, you, you don't know. I sent a priority letter to two states away and, you know, two to three days service. It got there in seven days. And I found myself not frustrated by that. And I wasn't surprised by that either. So I'm like, you know, everybody's struggling, but at the same time, do we ever get back to service delivery as it's in, you know, described it to be? Yeah, it's, 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 I think the bottom line is no, we, we won't get back to that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, uh, it has changed and uh, we're, we're, we're going on another, another path right now. And I think, as we've discussed, it's it's in the past. It's 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 interesting that you can hear people warning you about doing certain things. Uh, all of my life, I've I've heard people warning about you know the devil's music and rock and roll uh, uh, from 60 or 70 years ago. Who this happens in society and that happens in society and. It's, it's fascinating that, that in the end, uh, in, in certain of those instances, it turns out those people were right. Yeah. You know? and, 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 uh, and the world uh, has changed, and there's no going back. So we, we, made the, we made the decision, we made the choice as a society to uh, adopt uh, uh, certain new uh, approaches. And... We've changed the society as a as a consequence of that, and we don't go back. But it, it is interesting to note that the fact that uh, someone is sitting around saying you don't want to do that—that's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. They aren't always wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, I think there was a Babylon B headline uh, somewhere out there, and it, I can't tell the difference anymore. So I've got the Babylon B on my Instagram feed, and then I've got it's not the B on my Instagram, and I have to. I mean, I know they intentionally make them look similar, but one of them was literally a report from, I think, in Toronto, where it said uh, somebody was basically crying about how, dang it, these conspiracy theories keep coming true. It's going to encourage people to listen to more conspiracy theories. And I'm like... It wasn't a conspiracy theory. <laughs> if it's true. It's, it's observation. Yes. It, it's basic, this leads to this, leads to that. And how can you say that? Because it's been that way every time it's been tried in history. And, <clears throat> I mean, just listen to Klaus Schwab. And you're like, does he sound like a Disney character? Yes. Which side, light or dark? You choose. Right? <laughs> So I, I don't, uh, yeah, and, and I remember having a conversation on, on Facebook with a, with a friend here in Austin and, um, uh, of the more liberal persuasion, and I said, you know, you do this, it's going to lead to this. And her response was, maybe, but I just, I, I don't want to see that compromise. In other words... I can't acknowledge that your argument may be correct because I'm so invested in not giving an inch of ground. Right. And then I got thinking, 
Who's the ideologue here? I, we've gotten comfortable, all of us, in, in the last, at least in my recollection. I remember the 80s as a young man, very young man, <laughs> high school. And I remember the, um, you know, the Star Wars and everything else. And, and um, there were compromises there. And, and those led to some bad decisions. So amnesty was given. We're never going to do that again. You know, so Reagan allowed amnesty. But it was a trade-off because he was getting uh, a military budget that he needed or was in the priority of, of his party and his agenda. And so the result was we outspent the, the Soviets. Okay. But then we also created another monster on the, on the compromise side. So, you know, I don't want to get in, you know, down that road too far, but we make these decisions. We, we were basically harvesting what we've planted. Right. Very, very true. We, 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 we do that. And... You, you say we're, 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 we're very educated, if you will, now in the whole process of persuasion. And, mm. and, and as, a, as a consequence, we adopt certain approaches that, deal, that, that, that we've learned or we've been taught are uh, necessary approaches if you really want to persuade people. And the net result is that the whole concept of compromise is questionable mm -hmm. because compromise suggests that when you say something, you might be convinced to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And yet we adopt the approaches that if Everything is permanent, if you will. It's recorded and it's permanent. And if you ever make an utterance that uh, mm. perhaps is against uh, uh, one particular narrative, right. then that's going to live forever. And as a consequence, people are not willing to to make an utterance to even accept the the possibility that some other approach. And so we're we're driven to extreme positions and extreme statements, and we're driven to not compromise uh, a bit in those. And as a consequence, it's almost impossible to really have a conversation, at least among diametrically opposed points of view. Right. We've seen a lot in the last year of people who would be generally classified, and they would classify themselves as ideologically opposed. They don't share the same ideological um, philosophy, but they look at the um, they look at what's going on. And to your point about discussion, people that say they want to have a discussion or we need to have the discussion—I mean, that's a phrase that's thrown about very loosely. We need to have this discussion. We need. To, they don't want a discussion. They want to tell you what you need to do or how you need to think or they want to tell you they they, they don't want to talk and th that's where um compromise it, compromise is basically everybody coming around to my way of thinking exactly yeah and i think the only way you can have meaningful compromise actual compromise is if you've if you've had a well-intentioned um honest uh, there's no need to invent new words. I mean, that, that's one of our favorite discussion points as well is meaning of words. And uh, not to get too far along, I, I want to go back to what you said earlier about um, persuasion. And one of, the, one of the topics that we've talked about and, and you've um, shared with me about is your, your, your view of advertising. And I think that is... Or to, it, it's one of the things that has been pervasive across uh, business models, media, um, journalism. Everything we consume is wrapped up in some sort of advertiser-driven 
it's an advertiser-driven environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 this is a, uh, a central theme of, of uh, one of the books, mm-hmm. if you will, that I'm, I'm working on in the background, but I, I, keep <clears throat> I keep expanding the context in considering this, I, I started out thinking about advertising and, and uh, uh, advertising mechanisms and how, how they work uh, and the like. And, and I, I've slowly backed out, if you will, to, to take in a larger scope, and that's where, I, at the moment, I've come to, the, to thinking about the concept of persuasion infrastructures. Where advertising is one example of a persuasion infrastructure, and but there are others, and uh, I've, I've come to realize that this whole concept of persuasion has, and starting with advertising, has impacted the way that we think about the world. Uh, and, and if you use advertising as as a, a, a direct example of that, uh, think about how you watch a TV program or think about how you watch a sporting event and how we watch the sporting event over time impacts how the sporting event has been is presented to us. Yeah. And so those two things feed upon each other. To the point that if you go to watch a basketball, football, baseball game today versus uh, watching any of these events live today or yeah. having watched these events live 50 years ago, it's it's almost like different sports or, or different events, yeah. different activities. I remember attending a, an NFL game <clears throat> several years ago. And all of a sudden, play stopped. And I'm like, what's the, I don't see a timeout. There, there wasn't a timeout called or whatever. And then a few minutes later, uh, a guy in a zebra shirt with a red sleeve on his right arm comes out and he's holding his arm up. The, t- the, the team is out on the, the teams are on the field. They're standing around and everybody's looking at this guy with his red arm in the air. And then he drops his arm. And we're back to playing football. <laughs> he was the uh, he was the guy that had the earpiece in, back to uh, New York or wherever, yeah. Connecticut probably, and said, uh, "Okay, commercial's over. You may resume with the event." I think the to me the most humorous uh, example uh, of, of of that or of how its broadca- broadcasting impacts the the way we view the sport and ultimately impacts the sport itself is. In the NFL, the two-minute rule. Mm-hmm. Two-minute warning, yeah. Yeah, the two-minute warning uh, uh, started as a as a consequence of the way they did timing. They, mm-hmm. they they used to time a football game much like they do a soccer match today. A guy on the sideline is keeping a watch, and nobody you, knew what the time was. Nobody knew what yeah. the time was, and and so they needed. Uh, if, if it was getting close to the halftime or the end of the game, it seemed to be a good idea to let people know that. So at two minutes, you warned everybody that there's two minutes left. And now, uh, they once they decided to keep the clock on the scoreboard, everybody can see what time it is. Yeah. You really don't need that, except that advertisers really like that as a, as a known breaking point where they could they could throw in a, a It's a, a free more, slot. Yeah, it's a free slot. Yep. Uh, but then it's interesting now that that's viewed by a good a, a good coach that's a good time manager in a game mm-hmm. will view that as one more timeout. Yeah, and oh, so, he'll use it. Yeah, yeah. So if you can, if you can, it's it's really good if you're if you're making a drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good to get a playoff uh, ten seconds a, in front of the two minute r- r- warning. Yeah, and then you can run up the middle where you might not have wanted to run up the middle because you would have been trying to get to the sideline to stop the clock. Stop the clock, right? So you don't mm-hmm. have to do that now yep. because you know it's going. So it's another. It's a. It's an automatic timeout. Yeah. So it's fascinating, but the the the, the, the additional things. Uh, 
the, the, the idea of it takes the human attention span seems to be about eight seconds. At least that's what I read that, that the uh, that the, the sports broadcasters think about. And so you you uh, you see activities like substitutions and the like mm-hmm. that are uh, keyed on the fact of how, how how fast people's attention span changes, if you will, even on the field. Yeah, and so. Part of the part of the game now is to make shifts or changes in personnel uh, in such a way as to preclude the other side from being able to make a corresponding oh, yeah. change in personnel. So yeah. it, it's it's to me it's fascinating that that kind of all tracks back to advertising uh, as being a major driver, and it's it's manipulated how we how the game is actually played. And it, it's manipulated um, media news as well because these companies don't, the, the ones that are paying for the advertising, the, that want their brand in front of people's eyes and ears, they don't want to be associated with something that, uh, in my mind, is a, a fickle or a trendy or um, basically a weaponized viewpoint, um, which could be viewed either way, depending on which, which side of the, the topic you're thinking. So this is part of our uh, breakfast recording is we're just doing stuff, you know, so uh, time to pay the bill. Awesome. All right, so... All good. And I get my card back. Thank you for visiting. <laughs> so, yeah, we just... Um, you were talking about uh, a book you're working on. You you basically have a multi-tiered approach, uh, a, a workflow to to your writing and musings, I believe you call them. And yeah, it's this is a, a, an approach that I've evolved uh, since I attempted to retire in <laughs> 1999 and found out that. I still had bills to pay, and uh, so I sought out consulting and writing as a as a, uh, a follow-on approach to an organized job, if you will. In the the course of that, uh, working with a, a friend of, of ours, Bertrand <clears throat> Ducastel, uh, he and I uh, did a a book uh, about. 15 years ago now called Computer Theology, mm-hmm. and that turned out to be an interesting activity to me, at least, because uh, we, 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 it turned out to be a book that was a bit different from what we set out or thought we were setting out to write, mm-hmm. uh, but it ended up looking at the concept of social systems uh, and the mechanisms of social systems. And that subsequently identified uh, for me a, a basic a, a basic dichotomy within uh, human uh, social activity mm-hmm. uh, between group policy and personal privacy. Right. And and so I've I've continued to think about that, and I look for. Uh, uh, instances where mm-hmm. I can extract some understanding or perhaps some, some wisdom even from observing that dichotomy between policy and privacy. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I've settled on uh, my own uh, approach to this that's kind of evolved into a process of developing to greater depths certain uh, observations that I would make. <laughs> and so uh, at, the, at the, the, the basic, most basic level, I started keeping a journal mm-hmm. and uh, a topic would occur to me and I would uh, sit down very often here at the Waterloo Ice House in the morning. Free advertisement for free Waterloo. Advertisement. Yeah. Come on down and see us. Yep. I would, uh, I would uh, jot down a page of uh, observations uh, mm-hmm. about something. And, and that's usually how I find you when I roll in here. You've got 
your notepad in front of you, maybe a book that, or an article or something that you're reading and, and so forth, and then um, off it goes back into the briefcase. Yeah. Well, I... I, I it, <laughs> and on, day, on days I'm not bothering you, it's, it, you just keep rolling. It's just, it's just an activity, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the, the, the jotting down notes, keeping a journal is kind of a solitary activity, mm-hmm. uh, but there are other activities, conversation, which is, is equally or more important, but yeah. you it's difficult for me to, to multitask those things. I don't don't, don't oh, do I that well. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. But the the the, the idea is that mm-hmm. that I can keep track of uh, of individual items uh, in a in a journal, and sometimes uh, after writing a page, something will will uh, uh, strike me as particularly interesting, and at that point, I might go off and and actually uh, write. Uh, uh, an actual paper on my my computer uh, that'll be two or three pages, mm-hmm. uh, which which I call a, a musing, mm-hmm. uh, kind of have a little play on words, ex- ex- a, a, a musing about this or that, and yeah. perhaps it's amusing. You never can you, tell. You never can tell. Yeah. But if uh, if in writing a musing, uh, sometimes in the course of writing, a, a, a relatively uh, well directed or, or well positioned, well focused, positioned, fo- well yeah. focused uh, yeah. uh, musing, uh, something else will come to mind, and perhaps I'll write more than one. Right. But in those instances, then uh, uh, I start to think about the topic in more detail, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. step back and I'll, I'll write a, a, a larger uh, bit, mm-hmm. a larger piece that uh, I, I refer to as an essay, mm-hmm. and, and it, it is an essay, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's... That's of, usually seven, ten pages. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I generally think of uh, amusing as a, is it 500 words, mm-hmm. uh, an essay is 5,000 words, um, and a really good essay is, is 10 or 15,000 words, mm-hmm. but if I have an essay that... Uh, starts to link together with another essay, then that kind of conjures up the idea that, well, I ought to group those together in a book. Yeah. And so an essay at that point starts to look like a chapter in a right. book. Right. And uh, if I have multiple essays that I'm trying to get together, uh, then I'll uh, 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 write a, decide to write a book and I'll, I'll write an outline and do a chapter uh, outline for the, for the book and the like. Yeah, but there's a there's a there's a progression then from yeah. from simply uh, a, a, an observation in a journal uh, to amusing to an essay uh, to a book, and uh, it's a it's for me it's a a mechanism for uh, organizing my thoughts and giving me some control over the long term development of, of yeah. complex topics and and i think you've described before i mean we were uh you know, my wife carrie joined us a couple lunch or breakfasts here and there and we were talking about abstract thinking right so you're very uh learned experienced in that area i mean coming from physics you, you're basically looking at elemental physical mechanical just truths of, of op- what we observe around us and then you take that to a, a social sciences perspective uh, the work you did with Bertrand he, he brought a, um, a, a kind of a parallel but also you know, the two of you really had complementary uh, skills and, and gifts that you brought to that whole exercise and then another colleague of ours um, that you also have written books with, he's very practical, and I've and I've shared this. You know, we've talked about this many times. I remember we were in a meeting, and an idea came up or a potential task as we were we were all contracted on the on the same piece of work. I'm the young kid sitting between these two really experienced um, professionals on either side of me. The topic comes up. The guy on my right opens up a compiler and starts writing code. And the guy on my left, that'd be you, you whip out your notepad 
<laughs> and here comes a, a philosophical musing right. on how this all ties together with everything that that committee or that group had been working on along the way. Right. And, and the gentleman to my right is sitting there, hey, I, I've got a piece of code that looks kind of like that. I think I can turn this and the glasses slide down on the nose and, and, the, and the keys start flying. And I'm just sitting there in the middle going, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm the Forrest <laughs> Gump in this room. You know, this is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's very true. It, 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 we, we, we behaved that way. We, we wrote that way, as, as a matter of fact, uh, when we, we collaborated on a couple of books. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I have to laugh. The, the uh, first book uh, that we wrote uh, was uh, a book on smart card programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that the one with um, uh, uh, Looking Glass? Uh, yeah, Alice yeah. in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, on the, yeah. On the cover. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was fascinating. Two points, but yes, it, it, it we used Alice in Wonderland as an organ or, or as an organizing um, uh, concept throughout uh, mm-hmm. throughout the book. But uh, we had we had decided that that the world needed a good smart card programming book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this was what, mid-90s? This was, this 90s? was, this was uh, uh, late 1996. Okay. Uh, literally, uh, we came to the, we, we learned the concept of a smart card early in 1996. Okay. So by the... Because you guys were oil field. Oil I, I mean, we, you know, we're... I don't know what thirty-two minutes. This is just how, ladies and gentlemen. This is how Tim and I roll. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'm gonna probably keep the episodes down to forty, forty-five minutes max, because who can tolerate more than that? Yes. <laughs> but if, if you, particularly is, if you can't contribute, you know, if you just have to sit around and, <laughs> sit around and, and listen, listen to, to me, this, and, and you're like, uh, uh, wait, uh, wait, wait, I want to, I want to talk now. Or, 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 and and I'll and I'll and I'll cover some of that a little bit later. Of some of the cool things that so you and I are just talking to each other right now and and bunny trail warning someday if we get really good at this we could do this live and people could be popping comments up on the screen over here right and that kid over at the table over there could come over here and read them to us right and we could respond literally at that point we're not there yet that would be good that would be fun we're not there yet so but back to your back to uh, Alice in Wonderland and the and, and smart cards in '96. Oh, so so we 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 heard the term smart cards uh, in early '96. We learned a little bit about what they were, and by the end of the year, obviously, being being wise old guys, mm-hmm. the world needed a good smart card programming book, and so yeah. we were going to write one. Mm-hmm. So we actually contacted a publishing house, and uh, they thought it was a good idea. We spoke with a lady, uh, an acquisitions editor for that uh, publishing house here in Austin. Mm-hmm. She liked the idea, so we signed up to do a book for them. And being the organized types that we were, Scott yes. and I had a trip planned to Paris for a few days and then uh, some meetings in London, and we had a, a weekend in between there. And mm-hmm. we thought, ah, that's the point where we will... Start to write our book, right? And, and I think we both had the idea that about three weekends we would sure knock off the knock book. it out. Yeah, yeah knock can't it be out. that can't be that tricky. And so, literally, the 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 starting activity of this, uh, we stayed at the we were staying at the Tower Thistle Hotel. Tower Beautiful. Thistle. Thistle, yes. <laughs> Uh, and that's, and that's in London, or that was in London. That sounds London. Literally, is right next door to the Tower of London. Ah, okay. I have no idea if that chain of hotels is still that, or if they've been acquired somewhere else. But a beautiful hotel, marvelous hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scott was set up in his room on one floor, and I was on a different floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, internet; we could access internet, so we. Communicated via email. Uh, that was a lot better than talking. Yeah. But uh, we literally started writing, you know, chapter one and sure. chapter two yeah. uh, of, of this, and uh, started writing this, writing down, and, and uh, 
you know, we, we blared out uh, uh, about three or four pages, right, and mm-hmm. shipped it to the other guy, and then, then things kind of slowed down. <laughs> I thought that, oh, we, we may not finish this this, this afternoon. So we'll this, uh, may have worked out a little harder. There's some topics here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, yeah, I, uh, 96, wow, what was I doing in 96? I was a consumer of these products at a small software company in Virginia, and we'll get into that later, but um, these were, in the United States, really, nobody in 96 dealt with a smart card. We didn't really even have them in cell phones then, because what we talked about last week, CDMA, that, that was, you didn't need a SIM card. Right. SIM cards didn't show up until later. Um, and first time I saw a SIM card was when I moved to Austin and started working for Schlumberger. And it was, uh, imagine that, Schlumberger made SIM cards, and therefore, doggone it, you're going to use a phone with a SIM card in it. <laughs> so um, that, was, uh, that, was, that was a new experience. It was uh, it, it, it was an interesting uh, an interesting project to, uh, to come into a technology, learn something about it, and get to the point that you think you've kind of mastered it within a within a few months. Obviously, we hadn't mastered it, but we yeah. thought we had. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we set out to, to write about it. Uh, to touch on that, incidentally, uh, on the, the Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. theme, both Scott and I uh, were. Uh, fans of Alice in Wonderland, I think we both think of ourselves as the Cheshire Cat. Uh, <laughs> words mean exactly what I say they mean, that sort of thing. But it, it, there was an interesting uh, uh, episode in that as we finally got around to, got time to uh, go to publishing. Mm-hmm. And we've made a lot of use of, of uh, Alice in Wonderland references. We even used uh, graphics from Alice in Wonderland as uh, chapter, chapter headings. Chapter headings, yeah. And so... So you now you scratch your head, can we really do this? Well, we didn't have any problems with it at all, but <laughs> the the publishing uh, the publishing house was uh, Macmillan Technical uh-huh. Publishing, Yeah. and the attorneys for Macmillan had some concerns, you mm-hmm. know, can you use that? And uh, so we hadn't thought about it that much, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, in particular, it took him about forty-five minutes of, uh, of uh, searching, searching uh, for it, and uh, he he came back al- almost immediately to the attorneys, and he said, "Well, any copyrights on this were uh, went into the public domain fifty years ago." Oh wow! So so that's probably not an issue. But he said, "If if you really want to make it an issue." The copyright on the Alice in Wonderland uh, material was all held by Macmillan and Company, <laughs> which, as it turns out, was the Very company of the, the, the folks you were working. The, yeah, with. the basic company of yeah. Macmillan Technical Publishing, and so the uh, I guess that was the the uh, the deciding factor for the attorneys was that well. If it isn't public domain, we own it anyway. We own the copyright, so we can use it. So we did use it. Well, that was, what do they call it, a happy accident. That was a happy accident, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> well, cool. Well, let's wrap it up there, um, at least as far as recording goes. We, we'll just keep mumbling on. Or Anything else you wanted to add before we... Uh... No, what I, what I, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just get it down. And, and you can edit it out, but uh, sure. I, I was thinking that uh, I... I written some notes to myself this morning about uh, perhaps laying out mm-hmm. uh, the the historical context of my thought process yeah. and, 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 and the like. And perhaps it would be interesting uh, to intentionally start yes. with that. We, we've touched on we've touched on some of the points or I've touched on some of the of the points that I would like to draw out. Yeah. Today, yeah, but have done so in a rather haphazard way, yeah, and so maybe in a in a, in a future, uh, mm-hmm. what it would be uh, useful to to think of it as a as a uh, yeah uh, a presentation with 
feedback comments. And, uh, and I think, yeah, so, um, and I'm just going to let this roll and decide. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, um, with podcasting 2.0, and I think we've, and, and when we get done here, I'll show you how some of the different applications render chapters in what just the, the mishmash of, of the first episode. And I just went through there like every almost every 30 or 45 seconds because we hopped around on different things there was an opportunity for a different topic and like a like a little subtitle or whatever for the, for that section just called a chapter and each one of those chapters can have a link to like for example when we were talking earlier um i could link off to that area of London, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there, you can put location tags into chapters. You can put a URL off to, um, like, uh, Midori Press, for example, to the to the computer theology book, and and you and Bertrand, and so there's a lot of launching points, and there's the images. Mm -hmm. So each chapter can have an image, and so um, if we were to then take an episode as a specific topic or a specific lecture, if you will. I mean, you're a professor. You've taught college classes, you've organized syllabus, you've, you've done that in multiple countries, actually. So, um, yeah, the, this, this breakfast with Dr. Tim kind of topic is... Um, Somebody sneaking up on us? No, no. I, I, I suddenly dawned on me that I want to get uh, oh. one of the folks to take a picture. Oh, okay. Uh, I have found. Uh, I, I'd love to. I'd love to uh, send the pictures to some of my friends. Oh, cool. This is what we do. This is what we do on for breakfast. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. And so I was getting my camera. Getting your camera ready. ready. That's cool. Uh, to get. Uh, well, and that is part of what. The, the visual aspect to this, and I'm no artist. I mean, if there, if there was a uh, spectrum of skills, aptitudes, whatever, I'm in the negative space yeah. on, on visual. <laughs> um, but each episode can have its own title image. Uh -huh. And what I think would be easy for people to, you and I and whoever we share this with, stumble across it, you'll see, oh, this is one of Mike's... Um, Episodes where he and Tim just sit around and ramble, yes. or oh wait, this is this is going to be Tim talking on a particular topic, and then it would have a different image so that you could go through and see okay these are the these are the guys shooting the breeze, this is where Tim's talking about a specific topic, or and this one is one that we'll really ignore. This is Mike just doing technical stuff. So uh, so here we are. We're gonna get we're gonna get a little picture. I want to get you to take a picture of us. Yeah, just. Us geeking out here, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, this could be the chapter image for um, Howdy Howdy. And so the cool thing is, there we go, three, two, one. All right. Thanks. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Is it presentable? How'd we do? Works for me? Yeah. That's us. I'll probably uh, edit it back to uh, kind of the tabletop. Sure. Don't necessarily get our sexy legs out yeah, there. Yeah, don't, don't necessarily <laughs> don't necessarily need to show the legs. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's his life. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool. Now they. Cool. Uh, I met one of my friends from high school here. Uh, oh, awesome! Last week, and uh, oh, that's a good. So it, it worked out well. Yep. Well, one of the, um, <laughs> kind of coming into this episode, another one for the cutting floor, just me yapping at you here because I'm too lazy to go turn it off. But after that first episode or the first recording, I mean, I was even nervous about using it. I, even during the, sh the recording, I called it episode zero and you know, we can erase this if we want to and start over. Once you realize you kind of invested in it, you just want to push through it. <laughs> You're like, I got material. I'm going to spend the two hours to edit out the ums and ahs and whatever. And then you get that, that little, you, you know, you know, you, you, you've written a lot as well. So this, is, yeah. this is not a, a new observation <laughs> to you, but I will make the observation in writing that the hardest thing to do is to 
throw away two pages that I've written about something. Yeah. Because it I it was it was really good that it really fit when I started it, but then I've written another eight pages after, and those first two pages or those two pages in the middle just don't really fit. Yeah. And they they just need to be discarded. And God, yeah. that's hard. Yep. I don't want it. I don't want it. That was that was wonderful. I had to think hard <laughs> to get those words down. Well, the, the the good and the other thing is, I I kept telling myself is Mike. You just left yourself some room for improvement. That's all. So uh, I was like, I just got to finish this. Let's get it out there. I've got all this uh, producing things to do around it. Because to me, this is, this is dual purpose. And we've, we've talked about that before. Part of it is to capture and explore your experiences and just in general. I mean, right. this is just, to me, this is the fun part. And then the other part of the fun part is, can I take this new podcasting ecosystem and use it? Can I, can I literally just, I don't depend on a hosting service. I don't depend on, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we can do so much more with these new podcasting apps, these new things, that it, that it becomes kind of a... A publishing exercise, mm-hmm. and and I, I you know I can see this being used for a lot of different things. Uh, this is a public feed; it's just sitting on a server. Anybody can come get it. But you could basically, and I can't remember the name. I, I kept googling it. Back when I was in high school, I had a Commodore 64. That was my that was my little baby, and modems were what 300 baud at best, right. and. So there was a lot of offline media, and and this could tangent into Netflix, but that would be a whole other discussion, right? Of it's not a good week to do no, that. It's not a good week to do that. But if we go back to what uh, I'm, I'm thinking, full circle, right? So Netflix started as here I go. Um, we can get you DVDs because they're pretty durable and they're flat, and they can get in the mail, and 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 I can easily subscribe into that and, and it was it Reed Hastings is that the guy that that mm-hmm. came up with that so that got started and back in the 80s there was a, a a guy that made a magazine on a floppy disk and it was called uh, I, I swear it was called Bozart but if I google Bozart you know come on man you really need somebody somebody in his family needs to have made a website about his his magazine you, you pop this thing into your big old floppy drive, and it was this beautiful ASCII art magazine, and then you'd click on the articles, and it had, it was cool. And it was all standalone. You didn't need a network. It was all on the disk. It was all self-contained. And I think one of the interesting things is that we can make um, lectures. We can make uh, books presentations and so forth using what podcasting 2.0 is doing and people may roll their eyes going oh podcasting but the guys on podcasting 2.0 were talking about this literally yesterday that when you declare the media type whether it's a podcast or music or video or whatever these things called chapters these things called um, enclosures and so forth they take on a different meaning when you're in the context of podcast. Then it may have the literal meaning of the tag because it was developed as a podcasting uh, syntax or you know the, the naming. But then if you flip it to music, a chapter becomes perhaps, well, not, maybe not a chapter, but an item becomes an album or a song or right. you know the, you, the, the different meaning lays over top. And, and the person the artist or whoever is in front of that, that all gets covered by UI, the user interface of whatever they're using to form their album, if you will. They don't see it. And then everybody understands what that means. Well, fitting into into uh, one of the themes within the the books that I've I've worked on, uh, I'm working on, is the idea of how people communicate, recognizing that for two different people to communicate, everything has to go through, my thoughts have to go through 
my physiological sensory motor system mm -hmm. onto a physical medium, and then you, your sensory motor system has to accept that physical manifestation and interpret it. So every communication between two people has to go out to the physical world and back into the physiological world. We can get to the OSI stack from here. Well, we, 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 and, and, and it's there. It really exists. And so I've adopted the, the terminology that any physical medium is an art form. Mm. Okay, so yeah. rather, rather, than, rather than trying to differentiate art from anything else, I just take the assumption that everything is art, if you will. And, and actually art is, is the, the concept of uh, organizing material, mm -hmm. but that the base level is art forms. Mm -hmm. And an art form is the air that we speak into, if, for example, is an art form. Well, our if, voices... Bringing vibration across, creating sound waves in air. That is an art. That or, is an art. art or, no, it's an art form. Art form, okay. Okay. An orator mm -hmm. is an artist in mm -hmm. using that art form. A singer is an artist that can use that art form. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to put a bracket around uh, an expression within an art form, then you make a composition. So a composition is something that has a beginning and an end of right. a particular art form. And, and so your, your observations on Podcasting 2.0, this is an art form. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an art form that can obviously use a little practice to, to, to use it well. I didn't say we were good artists. Yeah. We're just artists. Well, yeah. well, well no, the point is that if you're good, yeah. you're an artist. Yeah, but yeah. but everybody everybody can can do a composition mm -hmm. in an art form, you know. That's that's what we do. That's yeah. that if you if you order bacon and lettuce tomato sandwich, you know, mm -hmm. you you you've expressed yourself through an art form. Yeah. Right. And uh, if you if you do it well, uh, and 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 I can offer some suggestions about how you determine whether it was done well or not. Right. You, you you might be an artist. You might be one that can use it as well. Yeah. Okay. That's well, cool. a good stopping point for me. <laughs> well, there we go. And uh, we'll, we'll give it a go in another couple of weeks. I figure we do this every couple of weeks. That'll be enough for us. That'll be cool. All yeah. right. Thanks, Tim. And that's a wrap for episode number two of the Mike Newman Show. Thanks for joining us and spending a little bit of your time uh, listening in on another breakfast with Dr. Tim. Look forward to seeing you all again next time around. Have a good one.